0: I want to ask you a question, what were you thinking about while he was singing? What were you thinking about? I couldn't help but think about my Lord, and that tells you a little bit about the music at our church. That's what it's supposed to be about, that as we sing, God is honored and God is glorified through the music, and you're thinking about him and how you can serve him and being closer to him and thinking about his majesty and the character of God and who he is, and boy, I tell you, we need more of that. Amen. Makes you wonder what the music in heaven is going to be like. You know, we have wonderful music here. I, I've, I get to be in a, a several different churches throughout time to time. And I hear some, some that's as good as ours every once in a while. But it's not often that I find any that's better than ours. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the, the people that God's given us to be a part of. our our church here and our music program thank you brother Aaron that was good singing that was my favorite choir special by the way I was listening uh, back there behind the door a moment ago let's take our Bibles out tonight Psalms chapter number 102 Psalms chapter 102 and when you get it get there go ahead and stand if you don't mind We're gonna do things a little different tonight we are going to read and then we're going to pray And get into the message. I'm going to preach a brief message. Now I know you're laughing, but I promise you tonight it'll be brief, and then after that we'll have an invitation. And after the invitation uh, we're going to have maybe a couple of minutes for anybody that needs to go to go, and then I want to share to uh, the church my heart about something tonight. Psalms chapter number 102. I want you to look down, if you will, to verse number 19. 19 psalms 102 19 the bible says speaking of our lord that was just sung about a moment ago for he hath looked down from the height of his sanctuary from the heaven did the lord behold the earth to hear the groaning of the prisoner to loose those that are appointed to death to declare the name of the lord in zion and his praise in jerusalem we'll stop there and pray father i thank you for the wonderful music tonight that reminds us of you And, Lord, it's wonderful to think about you and who you are and your greatness and your goodness toward man. Father, I thank you tonight for your word to where we get to refresh ourselves, Lord, with the knowledge of who you are and what you've done. And, Lord, by faith, look forward to what you want to do. And, Father, I pray that you bless tonight, that, Lord, you'd speak to us through your word. I pray that there'd not be a heart here tonight that's not already open, ready for you to put something in there. Lord, I don't know what your will may be through the message tonight and what needs may be met through the message tonight, but, Lord, I pray that none of us would miss what you desire to do through that. And I pray always, if there's one lost, help them be saved tonight. And for the saved, Father, help us, Lord, just rejoice in who you are, just for a few minutes, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Brother Aaron gave the perfect introduction to the message tonight. He didn't know that, and we didn't rehearse that, but you did, the perfect introduction Uh, To the message tonight because he's singing about the greatness of God and the goodness of God and the character of God And who God is and I couldn't help but think as I was preparing the message tonight uh, As a little kid, I remember mom and dad teaching us to pray And one of the first prayers that I can remember praying is God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food Uh, (laughs) All right Uh, I graduated since then from that one, but uh, I remember it well Uh, and then we'd lay down at at night to go to sleep mom and dad would come in and pray with us and we would have family devotion together and uh, we do the now I lay me down to sleep and uh, I still got that one down pat Uh, pretty good nothing wrong with it by the way if you still want to use it if you still mean it but uh, I think now how long it's been since I prayed that prayer God is good God is great you say well we kind of graduated from that right we've grown up we've kind of grown out of that and uh, even though it's a prayer for kids uh, I do believe that we have grown out of really the essence of what that prayer is all about. And that prayer is all about just the goodness and the greatness of God. You know, we, we learn to, as we get older, that when we pray, we've learned to add the these and thou's. Uh, that's how you know when you're praying good. When you pray to thee and thou, O Lord in heaven, and you can use the these and thou's. It's the King's English. It sounds a little more proper, but could I just say something tonight? Uh, I think it's a sad day when God's children grow away from remembering the goodness and greatness of who their father is. To where even though we may not say God is good and God is great, let us thank him for our food, we still remember how good and how great God is. And I believe tonight that understanding that goes back to the root of what a lot of our problems are, not just as Christians, but in families and in our hearts. Uh, A lot of times our problems are so big Because we have forgotten how big our God is and how great our God is. Our problems seem overwhelming because our God is underwhelming. Because we don't pray about the goodness and the greatness of God, we see even what we call the model prayer. God's attributes are mentioned in there. The less we forget who God is and what He can do and what He's capable of and what He's done. I couldn't help but think this afternoon when... uh, We lived down at the camp for several years. I was, I may have told this story before, but I'm gonna tell it again uh we were i was building uh, i had a building project for a friend i was building a frame for his elk that he had killed and he killed a bigger elk and boy it's just insult to injury that i had to help build the frame for his elk that was bigger than mine i think the guy who killed the big one ought to help the guy who killed the little one uh get his stuff but no that's not the way that it worked and we had a metal pile down there at the camp and uh you know every good redneck has a metal pile right you don't throw that stuff away you never know you're gonna need it amen uh, man, I, there are men. I helped some of the men out there tonight. Uh, wives are wondering why you do that, but you've got to have that. And so I went down the metal pile to find an angle piece of a metal that I could help build a counter-levered stand for his elk. And uh, Down there in the pile, there was a large... Uh, uh, a uh, meter base, a box, an electrical box that had just thousands of, uh, of little uh, breakers in it. It had come out of a hotel that had been torn down and just a huge gray uh, box, electrical box. And I stood on top of it while I was trying to pull out uh, this piece of metal. And as I stood on top of it, the box began buzzing. Okay, now it was disconnected. It had been thrown down there for years and laying down there for years. And I was just standing on it to get to this piece of metal. And the box began to buzz that I was standing on. I'm thinking, well, there's bees in here. And I told Leslie, I says, look, get back. There's bees in here. And it was... But then I began to notice something very telling. That the buzzing began to slow down. And I realized that I was not standing on a box full of bees. I was standing on a box that contained a very large rattlesnake inside the box that I was standing on. It had the big piece of conduit that had been pulled out, two inches of conduit, and evidently mice had gone in there, and a very large rattlesnake decided that that was a great place to stop for dinner. And uh, he was in there, and I was standing on it, and now I am scared to death to move. Yes, my wife was standing there, and I was scared to death, and I didn't mind saying I was scared to death. And... I says, honey, I says, go home and get the gun. I'm going to stand right here, go home and get the gun. And so she runs back to the house, a quarter mile back to the house. And uh, she calls me on the phone. She says, should I bring the twenty-two? Just feeling the vibrations under my feet, I said, no, you're going to need something bigger. Here comes my wife running through the woods carrying a 12-gauge shotgun. I mean, just an all-American woman right there. She might be from Louisiana, but, man, she was acting like she was from Mississippi, man. Come jumping through the hollows in the hills, carrying a 12-gauge shotgun. And all of a sudden, for one moment, I was scared to death because, who? rattlesnake. Creep me out, okay? And all of a sudden, she handed me a 12-gauge shotgun. And all of a sudden, that rattlesnake wasn't so scary anymore because I had something that would take care of him. But then, next thing you know, I'm over there with a stick beating on the box trying to get him to come out. Uh, You come on out, coward. I've got you pinned in there. He wouldn't come out. So I went, I said, hey, get some gasoline. We'll get him to come out. And I poured gasoline all over that electrical box. And a few minutes later, he stuck that old wicked head right outside of that box. And look, I let him get all the way out before I laid the bead down on him. Five and a half feet long. 11 buttons, or or rattlers, and a couple of buttons on it creeps me out to this day to think about it. But boy, I tell you, everything changed. My fears suddenly became smaller. My worries suddenly became less than they were because I realized that I had the upper hand and that I had something greater than what my problems were. Now folks, let me tell you something. Tonight, God's a lot better than a 12-gauge shotgun. Our problem is we have forgotten about the greatness of God and who he is and we're sitting there like Christians tonight and we're standing on that box and we're scared to death of the rattlesnake of the devil. And yes, he is dangerous and yes, he has has taken out many, but wait a minute. Our God is always the greatest God. He's not the greater God. He's the greatest God. And God is who he's always been, and when we realize the God that sits there up in heaven on the throne, sovereign over everything, and you realize who he is, suddenly your problems begin to shrink. And suddenly your fears begin to go away. And so for a few minutes tonight, and I do mean this, just for a few minutes tonight, I want to look at Psalms 102, verse 19 and 20, and I just want to look at the greatness of God. And I want to give you three reminders of why God is great. And I hope tonight you'll take these home with you. And I hope that you'll allow the word of God to be imprinted upon your heart because there's going to be plenty of rattlesnakes out there, but there's always the greatest God. Now, I want you to notice what the Bible says about him in verse 19. For he hath what? For he hath looked down from the height of his sanctuary. From heaven did the Lord behold the earth. Now, two words there. He looked. The Bible says he beheld. Do you know why God's great tonight? Number one, because God sees God is great because God sees. Now, you're thinking tonight, well, I was really expecting something more fortune cookie ish, you know, that would just really be some kind of great philosophy. There's no greater philosophy than number one, God is great, and God is great because God sees. The Bible says that he looks, and the Bible says he beheld us where we are. Can I tell you tonight, if you just get to the place to remember that there's a sovereign God on the throne of heaven, and if you're saved, he is your God, and he is there tonight looking down upon you and watching over all that you are worried about all that you fear and the anxiety and the worry. It could be finances, it could be children, it could be health, it could be politics. I don't know what it is, but I want you to understand that God is great and God sits on the throne of heaven looking down at you and I. God has not turned a blind eye to us. God knows what's going on in 2024. God knows what's going on in our country. God knows what's going on in our politics. God has not lost sight of any of it. The problem is tonight, we're more focused on those things than we are the God that is still sitting on the throne. Now, folks, tonight, suddenly that rattlesnake becomes an earthworm when you realize who God is. And that God is still great and God has not changed. The other night, Miley asked me, she says, Dad, i got to go out to the car to get my backpack. And I says, all right. I says, we'll go right ahead. She says, will you stand at the door and watch me? It made me feel good. She was like, man, there's nothing out there that can't, my dad can't handle, you know. No, I still got the 12 gates. That's why I'm not worried about it. Uh, I brought it with me when I moved here, believe it or not, all right? So be nice to me when you get a chance. She says, Dad, would you stand there at the door and watch me? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I just go stand at the door. Here I am. I'm in my pajama pants and T-shirt. Not very intimidating, okay, to be totally honest with you. I, I'm just standing there. And suddenly this kid who was kind of worried, I mean it's not like we live in the worst neighborhood, okay, uh, walks out of the car, she's not worried, she's not fearful, she gets her backpack and comes back in the house. She knew dad was watching. She knew dad was watching. Suddenly, it changed everything. Now listen, I'm thankful for my dad. And if you had a good dad, thank God for that. And thank God for the father figures in our life. But let me tell you something. There is a heavenly father on the throne of heaven. And the Bible says that he looks and he beholds his children. He is watching what's going on. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. Could I help you with something tonight? Yes, he knows. Yes. The devil will convince you that he doesn't. Ms. Christie sang around this morning. Boy, you pray sometimes. Have you ever prayed and wondered? I have. I have. You ever prayed and worried? Boy, I don't even know if that prayer got past the ceiling. You know, that's the problem with metal roofs, you know. It's harder for our prayers to get through them. Can I just tell you something tonight? The same God in Psalms 102 is the same God in 2024. He's still looking. He's still beholding. He knows what's going on. His eyes are in every place. His eyes are in your bank account. His eyes are in your heart. His eyes are in your marriage. He sees all of it. But if we just get our focus and attention back on Him, suddenly those things that overwhelm us won't bother us as much anymore. I'm not saying they're all going to go away, but I'm telling you, change your perspective a little bit. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. I want to read this for you right quick. The Bible says in verse number 9, 2 Chronicles 16, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. I love the fact that the Bible says his eyes go to and fro in the whole earth. Can I tell you why that means a lot to me? Because the Bible says that when Satan came to tempt Job, the Bible says that God asking where he had been, he said he was going to and fro and up and down in the earth. The devils he's quite mobile. He gets around. But my Bible just tells me that my God's eyes do the same thing. God doesn't have to chase the devil around. God sees what's going on. And tonight, if we just realize the greatness of God, it's simply in the fact that God sees. I think about the people on our prayer list. I was looking over it. It stays on my desk. I try to pray over the needs that are there. I saw sick people on our prayer list this week. I saw people that are expecting. I heard we're on baby watch for Miss Haley, right? That's what I hear. We're on a baby watch for one of our teachers, Miss Haley, amen. Uh, There's folks that are expecting. There's folks that are heart sick. There's folks that have financial issues. These are all things I can't give you an answer for, but I have a God that sees it. I have a God who sees it. I have a God who knows it. Number one, tonight, the greatness of God is the simple fact that God sees. But then watch this. Verse 19, for he has looked down from the height of his sanctuary. From heaven did the Lord behold the earth. Wait a minute, something else in verse 20. To hear the groaning of the prisoner. Number two, tonight, the greatness of God. You can see it in simply the fact that God sees. Number two, God hears. God hears. I'll be totally honest with you tonight. Uh, there have been times throughout the chaos of the pandemic and the world and the politics we're living in There have been times you pray and you're begging and asking God intervene in our world God in- intervene in our world and sometimes you wonder is he listening? I think we'd all be lying tonight if we hadn't been in a place before where we wondered if he hurt us Why? Because there's the old deceiver that is there and he comes up and he says, no, that one didn't make it past the ceiling. He's not listening. But I'm reminded in the Old Testament of another group of God's people, such as you and I. And they were also in a tough situation where they were being held by their taskmasters and going through the day-to-day rituals of being a slave under the mighty arm of Egypt. What does the Bible say? That when he called Moses, he said, I've, I've heard them. I've heard them. Can I tell you something? Listen, I believe tonight that God can hear tonight just as good as he did back when his children were enslaved in Egypt. I don't believe that God's hearing has gotten dull. As a matter of fact, the Bible says it has not gotten dull, that God still hears just as good as he did. Here's our problem tonight. And, oh, I'm fixing to hit myself right between the eyes. Oftentimes we would rather talk about our problems than tell him about our needs right I mean we are living in a sympathy driven society and I I have the same gene I mean everybody likes people to feel bad for them feel better for them everybody has that in us can I tell you something tonight our fellow man can give us sympathy and thank God for that and people who empathize with you but oh there's a God in heaven he's not only willing to give out sympathy but he'll give out a solution Tonight, listen, what we need in this country is, is not sympathy that somebody with China would feel sorry for us and say, hey, we feel so sorry for you folks who are living beyond your means. We're just going to cancel all of your debt. That's not what we need tonight. What we need is a solution from Almighty God. But the problem is, I believe tonight we've gotten to the place to where we think we could accomplish more by talking about it than telling him about it. What does the Bible tell us? Jeremiah thirty-three-three. It's a great one. It's an easy one to remember. Call unto me and i will answer thee that's a promise from god you say well i called him yesterday and he hasn't answered yet but he makes all things beautiful in his time you knew there was a catch didn't you it's like that whole thing anything we ask in his name he'll give it to us you're like well i've been praying for ferrari for 2 weeks or there's that whole his will thing that kind of works out in there okay he makes all things beautiful in his time. Uh, the other day, we were praying for Brother Joe. I just heard him say amen back there. So you said amen, so I got to thinking about you. We were at the hospital with him the other day, and uh, I'm not a cardiac surgeon. I think I told him if, if it was made out of wood, I could handle it. If he had a heart problem and it was made out of wood, I could get in there and fix it. Why? I know how to woodwork. That's what I used to do. Uh, but hearts, uh, not so much. You don't want me tinkering with my pocket knife on your heart. I found out Brother Joe was having a procedure. You know what he just did? He said, hey, let's just stop and pray. Why? Because God knows. So how do you know God knows? Well, he's the one who put his heart together to begin with. Folks, God's great tonight. God sees, but God also hears. Think about this real quickly, and I'll give you the last point. Nehemiah at the walls that were destroyed, he's heartbroken. Heartbroken at the destruction. Do you know what he did? He just told God. He went straight to God and told God. I think about Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane with the weight of the world being placed upon his shoulders. And what did he do? He stopped to talk to his father. I think about Peter sinking beneath the waves, and I'll bet you tonight that each and every one of us have felt like one of those three people. It's all falling apart the weight of the world on my shoulders, or you're drowning in something. Can I ask you something? Could you find some hope tonight in realizing that you serve a great God who hears? The groaning of the prisoner? I believe tonight we've got to get back to the place where we don't talk about our problems as much as we tell him about our needs. Number two, God hears. Finally, the Bible says... To hear the groaning of the prisoner. And then what else? One more thing. The Bible says, to loose those that are appointed to death. I, on my news feed every once in a while, I'll get the report. I think just this past week, a prisoner in Alabama was executed. First time I think they used nitrogen uh, in Alabama uh, to execute someone over there. And you'll get these reports about people that were executed, people that are on death row and their last meals and so on and so forth. It's unfortunate, but I think the news media uh, really glorifies that a little too much. Uh, But I think about someone who is on death row. And they know that their time, you got 24 hours to live. The last pardon did not come in from the governor. The Supreme Court rejected your appeal, and you know you're going to die. I mean, hopeless. Hopeless. That's what verse 20 is speaking of. Someone who is hopeless. Watch. It's the prisoner that's appointed to death. But then suddenly we find that we have a God, watch this, who in the midst of a hopeless situation can loose it. Watch what he says. To loose those that are appointed to death. Number one, God sees. Number two, God hears. Number three, you need to understand the greatness of God. Why? Because God can. He's appointed to death. There is no hope. The appeals have been denied. The governor is not going to give him clemency. He's appointed to death, and it is all hopeless, and yet there is a great God up in heaven who can still intervene and to loose that prisoner out of his bonds. I wonder tonight what it is that you consider hopeless. I wonder what it is. I wonder what it is. Can I tell you, as long as God is on the throne... There is nothing hopeless. Look, I've seen God heal people of cancer. I've seen God heal marriages that I thought never would go back together. I've seen God change the heart of young people who were turned against their parents. Man, I've seen it all. You say, well, how did it happen? It happened because of God, because God can. God can loose those that are appointed to death. Appointed means the judgment has been passed, and yet God says, the judgment does not confine me. That's the sad truth tonight. We think that the judgments of this world, that the doctors have the last say. No, they don't. Listen, I'm thankful for doctors. I'm thankful for those who serve others in the medical industry. But hear me out tonight. God has the final say. Why? Because he's God. He's sovereign, and he sits on the throne. He says, I don't know what you're confined by tonight, but I can loose it. If you were to talk to Joshua, I taught on this in Sunday school this morning three times in the book of Joshua. The Bible says, uh, I think verse 6, verse 7, and verse 9, to have courage. Do you know what courage is? I'm going to give you my, my opinion, okay? This is my definition of it. Courage is motivated faith. Courage is motivated faith. To where you believe it enough. Now, this is what I told my class. Not that you can. Well, I just think I can because I've been studying and I've been lifting weights and I'm strong and I think I can. No, no, no. Courage is not that you think you can. It's that you know God will. That's what courage is. So how do I know God will? God will do what he said he will do. He told Joshua, don't be afraid, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. You're going to go take that promised land. You are you and Caleb, you're going to in, inherit that promised land. And so Joshua's like, all right, we're just going to go have courage. Hey, not that we can, but knowing that God will. Can I ask you this tonight? What changed? What changed? I'll tell you what changes. I believe we've got our focus off the greatness of God, and we focus on the greatness of of the problems in our life and in our world. And no wonder they seem so large. I got a text just a moment ago, Brother Ogle. He may still be watching right now. He's been in India. Told me the other day, he called me yesterday. He says, they've had several hundred people saved in India. And he said, I just want to thank you for your church's support. And so I said, I'll pass that along to them. And Brother Ogle texted me just a moment ago. If you saw me look at my watch. He text, and he texted me Romans eight twenty eight. We know that all things work together for good. Can I tell you, only a great God can do that. Only a great God can take what nobody thinks is going to work and work it together for good. Only God can do that. My wife has been watching this, and I'll close my Bible. My wife has been watching this DIY uh, lady on, on, uh, on YouTube who goes to Goodwill stores and buys somebody else's junk that they did not want. And she repurposes it and sells it for big money. I mean, she takes stuff. I'm not kidding. It is uh, goodwill, and she makes good money off of it. And so she says, hey, you got to watch this. You got to watch this. And I'm like, all right. So we're sitting there, and she shows me her phone. And this lady bought this old wood bowl that's painted ugly colors of pink, and she got it at Goodwill for like two bucks or something like that. And uh, the lady, all of a sudden, she takes some uh, paint thinner and she begins to rub it on the inside, and, and then she takes the sander out and sands it out. Before you know it, there's this beautiful laminated wood bowl there that she sold it for like 50 bucks on eBay. I got to thinking to myself, how many people walked past that ugly pink bowl, or whatever color it was, and thought, oh, that's not worth burning? And you got these smart women, you know, there's a few out there. Oh, They mostly all, all are. Let's be honest, man, you miss an amen right there. You really miss an amen right there. Wendy's says open late. And... Uh, They walked past that bowl and they thought themselves, I'm not looking for that. Well, they just didn't see what it could be made into. They didn't. Somebody saw the value in it and they took it and put the effort into it and suddenly it has become something good and something valuable. Uh, I don't know what your circumstances are. I know some of your circumstances are, but I don't know what everybody's burdens are and the needs are and things you're worried about. I don't know. Uh, But, you know, God is great. God sees, God hears, God can. God can what? God can work all things together for good. Could it be that you're looking at your circumstance and it's a pink bowl? Nothing ever good will come out of that. Well, can I just encourage you tonight, get your focus back on God, because God can. If God can loose the prisoner who is appointed to death, God can take your pink bowl and make something out of it tonight. Folks, let's just get back to the greatness of God. Let's just get back to the greatness of God. He sees He hears, and he can. Let's go tackle tomorrow. Amen? Our heads are bowed. Let's stand together tonight. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Let's stand.